welcome back to the Behind the Net podcast. Um, it's going to be an interesting episode here. Uh, as usual, I'm one of your two co-hosts, Matthew, and joined with me is... The other co-host, Michael. And Matthew's right, it is an interesting episode. And by interesting, I think it also means exciting. So we have quite an interesting guest. I'm sure you can tell by the title of this episode. Yeah, I think we'll keep it straightforward, honestly. Uh, we wanted to take this episode to really... Uh, um, focus on the Toronto Marlies who actually started their season last week um, and take take a, a inside look into their season so far and you know we got to talk to uh, our good friend Nick Nick Barden who uh, right at the uh, the Leafs Nation with us and he's been covering the Marlies uh, this season he's been doing a great job we had a great discussion with him um, I think we'll keep it straightforward we'll get into that shortly I mean Michael I mean the usual like like how's your week been everything good Everything's been good, man. Work is work. School is school. I, I feel like I've said this this exact phrase many times. So that's, that's just pretty much par for the course with uh, these last few months, that's the, to be honest. That's for the last year, honestly. That's the pandemic uh, life. <laughs> same old, same old. Um, but yeah, pretty much the same for me, just working and, and you know, just chilling around. Um, just, just, just waiting for this, uh, just waiting for things to get better, you know, with this pandemic. But um, yeah, without further ado, let's just get into it. This will be a uh, Toronto Marlies-focused episode, and uh, we have a great discussion with Nick, as I said, so why don't we just get right into that now? This week, we're pleased to be joined once again by our good friend and fellow Leafs Nation writer, Nick Barden. Nick is actually currently one of the TLN's Toronto Marlies reporters covering the team who just started this season a couple weeks back. Welcome back to the show, Nick. How are you doing today, man? I'm pretty good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, feeling good. Uh, uh, maybe not not like the Marlies right now. They're not feeling too good. <laughs> no. Definitely not. I mean, maybe they were smiling on the ice after that loss. So, I mean, it's been a long road trip. Let's just say that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, first, before we even get into the Marlies talk, because, uh, yeah, like they just came off a, a kind of a tough game, a eight, eight to one loss to the Stockton Heat. We'll get into that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I want to say congrats because, uh, yeah, you are covering the, uh, Tron Marlies, uh, alongside uh marcia over at tln uh you guys are doing a great job over there uh right now and uh it's been a big thing so i know you've been wanting to cover the mar you've been wanting to cover the marlies for a while i um you know we've seen it uh, um yeah how long have you been wanting to cover and and what has it been like so far um i actually ever since maybe the start of last season like when we we're when we were all an editor and leaf together i messaged like um, I talked to the managing editor. We all know him. I'm not gonna say his name anyways. <laughs> I messaged him about it and he was like he said to be honest, he said that like we can't really cover them. Like, first of all, you need to be an editor, a site editor for that to get that type of privilege. So basically he was like, No, and then I just I went on my own and I was just like, hey, I'm a writer for Editor and Leaf. You know, I'd like to cover the team. And their media person was just like, okay, we'll get your editor to just contact me and we can kind of set something up. So I went back and told him, he's like, I can't contact them. Like, we're not, that's not allowed. So then 
that was kind of it for that. Like, it was, I was kind of bummed out because just to see, like, some of the people who have gone on that route, like, for example, Haley Selvian is now the beat reporter for the Flames, and she was the Ottawa Senators one, but she started off doing the Marley's stuff for the Athletic. That's kind of what caught my eyes while Michael Stevens did it too. I was just like, like I just want to cover a team. Like that's that's what I want to do with my life, and that's I guess where it started, and now I'm here. Awesome. Yeah, it's and, pretty. Cra- yeah, it's a pretty crazy journey. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've always remembered uh, you expressing interest uh, back in those days, and so you finally getting it now. It's uh, one. I'm super happy for you, but two. It's also justice. It's it's, it's been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, especially like with the pandemic going on and everything, it just felt like it's been like two years since like we've actually had like real hockey on. Even though it's only been, it's not even been like a year since everything got shut down. But it's it's felt like it's been so long, and we're not even. I don't know if we're going to be allowed to go to the arena as reporters or anything. I think we are starting maybe next week but it's 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 just weird it felt like it's been so long but in reality it's been like a year and a half maybe oh yeah for sure um it's definitely gonna be weird and yeah i want to say like huge congrats because yeah i know you've been wanting to and i i i feel you there like i'm Appreciate sure it. i'm sure us three we all have similar uh goals and, and covering a team would just be the dream right and you know huge props yeah. to you i loved seeing it when uh you got the chance because uh that's a big step towards uh towards that goal and, and i love seeing you know you prosper there so so it's great stuff i appreciate it so yeah for anyone who hasn't read his his uh work already uh, i think did you put out one or two articles so far i read uh like i put the a previous week's one for for i, I mean the I, the I, your column like the marley's and me uh weekly um yeah, so feature what we're gonna do going forward is marcia and i are gonna time kind of team up on it like i think she'll do one i'll do one type of thing she hasn't really done much with the marlies yet just because she's doing a few other things so it's only it's really only been me in there for like beliefs nation and stuff in the media calls but what's going to happen is we're going to come out with things every sunday like marley's and me it's just going to be an update of what's gone on throughout the week I don't know. Like what I did in the first one is I included quotes and stuff from like the players and coach. Um, I don't know if that will be something going forward, but I'm also going to try and do like a few standalone stories on players just to kind of get their story out. So going forward, there'll be that stuff too. I don't know whether or not Marsha is going to do that. I haven't really spoken to her about that, but I mean, every Sunday, Stay tuned for Marley's updates. Awesome. Yep. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I, I did read the first one. It was really good. Uh, we'll we'll link to it if you, in case you didn't read it uh, for our listeners out there. And uh, there will be another one coming uh, soon. So stay, look forward to that for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned like, you know, more feature feature is it like featurey type or just like uh, pieces on specific yeah. players as well. That's going to be really interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's it's. I've already tried. I've already asked them about doing one. They haven't got back to me yet, so I gotta follow up on like 
who I want to do it with and ask if I can. I might, I'm thinking about maybe like, I'll do the written portion of it as a feature, but I might try and include it with my YouTube stuff too, just because it's kind of something interesting and it's video and everyone likes to see video. So that might also be a thing that happens in the future. I'm not sure if it'll be possible, but I'm going to try. Oh, for sure. That, that would be, be a great feature. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. There's so many interesting players on the Marlies. Uh, just to go off the top right now, there's, it's not just the, the big guns that everyone's like focusing on, like the Nick Robertsons, the Rasmus Sandines, the Timothy Ligrens. There's a lot of players on the Marlies that are on AHL contracts that always, they're kind of intriguing to me. We will get to that a little bit later, but uh, yeah, like, having to cover virtually is definitely a challenge. And this is something that me and Malfi were, were wanting to ask you. What's it like having to do the pressers uh, virtually? Uh, I mean, like thinking about it now, when it starts to go back to regular life and I have to go like stand right in front of them, I think it's going to be a little bit different. Um, like right now, as I'm asking them questions, I have like everything up, like of, of all the notes that I took during the game. I kind of know what I'm going to ask them before. And what happens is like the, when, when the game's over and um, you go into the zoom call, the Marley's media person will be like, Oh, Hey, like it's going to be this person and this person plus head coach, Greg Moore. You want to ask a question, just put your hand up. So it's kind of a little bit like being on your toes at that point because like if you don't if you're not expecting a certain player it's going to be like okay i don't even have a question for them what am i going to ask them so on that part like it's 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 going to be different once we go back to regular life but overall like it's i don't think it's set in for me yet like i've thought about it before like in the past week like i've spoken to timothy lilligren i've spoken to nick roberts and like these guys are going to be nhlers one day and I don't know if I'm going to ever feel like, damn, I really just spoke to that person. Because I remember when the Leafs had their outdoor practice, the first one, like I went, I went with my school, I got a media pass and I stood in like the scrum where there was Tavares, I think Zach Hyman was there too. And I was just like starstruck. I was like, oh my God, like they're literally like five feet in front of me so there yeah and I, I i just don't know if it's just like my brain kind of switching into that mentality of like it's not like a fan thing anymore like you're doing this as a type of work and it's just like don't express like feelings over them but like i think that's i think that's totally going to change like once i'm in person and i see them i it's going to be a whole different feeling but overall again it's it's weird, but at the same time, it's really cool. And also at the same time, it's kind of nerve wracking because I don't want to mess up and look stupid in front of anyone because you have like, you have leaf reporters that come in sometimes like Joshua cloak. I know you guys have spoken to him. Mm -hmm. He's come in. He, mm -hmm. I think he's probably like one of the majority of like the least reporters who comes in most of the time to talk and ask a question. Todd Crocker's in there every single time then there's a few other like little little not little reporters but like 
they belong with like puck the i think puck authority is one i don't know if i don't know if that's if i'm getting it right but there's like a few smaller reporters in there like me so at that point too it's nice because like they have the same experience as you and they're not gonna come in like joshua cloak and ask the best questions and you sit there and think my question is not as good as that one so at that part too it's it's kind of cool to see other reporters in there but overall it's been fun it's it's been it's i mean i don't know i don't know how to explain it but it's it's been enjoyable so far and it's going to be better once i be able to get to go to the arena oh for sure that's awesome and yeah i was saying you know that star like that starstruck feeling like it's crazy and we know like that's why i love this like at least what we're doing here is like with this podcast is like uh, us three, you know, we're, we're inspired, we're aspiring journalists, you know, we're, we're not yet yeah. there, but we're kind of a different perspective on it. It's just like, we're that in the middle position there. And like, that's something we know we have to get over, but uh, mm-hmm. like the first time we do it, like, it's cool. Like last, yeah, I, I, I relate with you there because last, uh, last season I got to cover the uh, outdoor practice and I have, I have footage of it. I never actually use it cause I, I need to transcribe the interview, but like, I was right there and I took like a, like a really close video of uh, the scrum with um, Marner and Tavares. And then I look back at it and I'm like, wow, <laughs> like I was really in the scrum, like right there with Mitch Marner and John Tavares. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, we obviously have to get, you know, get over that and then, you know, just be like, oh, this is just our job. But those, you know, those, those little cool things, like when we, right now when we're getting those opportunities, it's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I also think like, we grew up, I, I wouldn't say we grew up watching like Austin Matthews and John Tavares. Because Austin Matthews, I don't know how old you both are, but he's the same age as me. I think he's like a week older than I am or so. Yeah. So I don't, but like for him, like he's one of the best players in the world. Like it's, if I ever get the chance to interview him, it's going to be freaking weird and I will be starstruck. But like, I think in terms of like Nick Robertson, and Timothy Lilligren and stuff like that. Like, they're all younger guys. So, like, I didn't, like, grow up and think, wow, like, they're really cool. Like, John Tavares, for example. So, I, I don't know if that has played a role in any of the feeling or so. But, I mean, like, I remember even, like, you went last year to the outdoor practice. And I was there, too, taking pictures. And Tavares walked right past me. And I stuck my hand out and he, like, hit my hand while I was taking photos I was like, damn, um, he's, they're all walking right by me, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it will ever change, especially like if I ever got to interview anyone else, but it's, it's such a cool feeling. It's weird, but it's, it's really cool. Oh yeah, it is. It is really cool. And, um, yeah, it's just crazy. And yeah, I, I'm going back to your point. Like, I do think like maybe age plays a factor. Maybe the fact that, um, like you mm-hmm. said, they are younger, but I don't know. I think also star star power or, or that kind of aspect obviously plays a point uh, a factor because like you know when you look at big stars like i would probably be uh you know if, if let's say we got to interview like zion williamson right like i like yeah. i feel like I, he's younger than us but uh like his he's obviously a star you know it's like wow he's like a huge basketball player but again it's gonna be our it's our job and and we're we we're gonna get over that but it's pretty cool mm-hmm on the flip side, though, it's definitely would be 
sounds pretty cool when you think about how you potentially are going to be interviewing one of the brightest stars in the NHL one day. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not always going to happen, but like, just like when you get to finally uh, speak with Nick Robertson, who could potentially be one of the brightest uh, young players on the Leafs for a number of years, like that's definitely got to feel uh, feel feel pretty interesting or like pretty rejuvenating. Uh you know what? I, I like I wasn't really when I talked to him, I wasn't really that. I I didn't for me I didn't feel like that like starstruck. Um, but in terms of like Timothy Lilligren and Rasmus Sandin, like when I did Rasmus Sandin, I like I got off and I was like, wow, I literally just talked to him, but uh, it it hasn't set in. And like I went, I think I went for a walk one day and I was just thinking about it. And I'm like, like I'm interviewing Marley's players, like what the heck's going on? Um, but I thought when I interviewed Nick Robertson, when um, the lady who does the media stuff, her name's Kate Bascom. When she said my name, I was like, oh, Nick and Nick. That's funny. Because I think I was like the third person to get into question. And I thought, and she said Nick, I thought I saw like Nick Robertson smile because we had the same name. <laughs> and then I go back and look and he wasn't smiling at all. And I was just like, okay, well, maybe <laughs> like, I don't know. It, to me, like it's cool interviewing him too, because he's he's going to be probably one of the least stars in the next three years or something i don't know but i don't i really don't think the feeling set in yet mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely a bit of an adjustment too and uh, speaking of adjustments uh the marley's uh, have yet to play a game uh at home yet because they've been on the road for the better part of the last few weeks uh i understand that uh this the rest of the schedule has been uh posted is i have a couple questions on that first do you know for sure if the Marlies are going to be playing at Coca-Cola Coliseum? And as a quick follow-up to that, uh, do you expect to be in the building? And how do you think uh, that's going to be like? I, I'm pretty sure they are playing at the Coca-Cola Coliseum because I asked Greg Moore today after their game, like, what, like, are they excited to finally just come back home? I said playing the Coca-Cola Coliseum, and he never corrected me. So I'm assuming they're playing there. And I got an email today saying that they'll talk about credentials for coming to games. So I'm assuming also that I'll get to go. Um, but I, I haven't really, to be honest, I don't, I don't remember. Maybe I've gone to one or two Marley's games. I've gone to one at Scotiabank arena, but I don't, I can't remember if I've really been to any at the Coca-Cola Coliseum. I know I've gone there for the Royal winter fair and stuff, and I'm like, oh, this is where the Marlies play. And I walked around and I thought it was pretty cool. But I, I've never been, like, I don't think to a game. So I don't know what to expect. There's obviously going to be no fans. So there's that. But I think just to be able to see the game in person, see how, like, players act instead of watching on the TV screen where, like, they'll cut to commercial break and you can't really see what they're doing and during the warm-ups you can't really see because they have that really blocked off mm-hmm. on ahl tv so i mean i'm, I'm really excited about that part but mm-hmm. i don't know how i'm gonna feel until i probably get there and I it's assume, definitely gonna be weird yeah yeah i assume uh that the uh the scrum will still be uh via zoom right yeah it should yeah. and I, I i really 
I don't know if like I was talking to my girlfriend. I think yesterday I'm like, are they gonna te- like are they gonna have to test me? I might have to get tested every time I enter that building. But I have no idea. They haven't even talked about that yet. Mm-hmm. Should def that should definitely be an article worth uh exploring. Uh, what's like to cover yes, a game at Coca Cola Coliseum? Yeah, that, that's a good idea. Thank you for that. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, so like, let's talk about the Marlies now. Um, for those who for those who haven't been paying much attention to the Marlies this season, because I mean, let's face it, it, it this whole pu- bubble um, scenario type uh, season is, you know, the Marlies, the AHL teams aren't really able to market themselves as they usually are. Um, so for those who haven't been paying attention to the Marlies this season, how has their se- how has their start to the season been so far, and what are people missing out on for those who haven't been paying attention? Their start's actually been it's been bumpy. It was good at the start um, when they played Manitoba. They came out, and played really well, and then they ran into I don't know if you guys know him. His name is Mikhail Burden, and he was like if you think about Alex Georgiev on mm. the Rangers and how, or even David Riddick when he played like the last few games against the Leafs oh, played yeah. like he was out of his mind. Oh yeah. Um, Burden, they've, I think they played them four times, Manitoba. And in every single game, this guy made some crazy say that you didn't think would happen. Um, they split the series in Manitoba. I'm pretty, I think they split the series in Stockton too. I'm not, quite sure i think they did because they're four for four so i mean what has really gone on is they've really just got the chance to play and i mean like they're gonna come out they're gonna be hot sometimes they're not gonna be hot sometimes like they faced um stockton heat the first time and they absolutely trampled them like just because Stockton hasn't played a game, and every other game that they played against them, Stockton got stronger and stronger and stronger, and they beat them 8-1 tonight. So, I mean, it's a lot of it might have to do with just the fact that feeling out a team, feeling out how they're going to play. They did the same thing against Manitoba. Manitoba got stronger as the series went on. So, I mean, after tonight's game, uh, Greg Moore said, like, there's a lot of good things that they had on this road trip. And I think there was too. Um, but again, it's it's going to be such a weird season for them. And just the fact that they can't really do anything outside of the rink, I think is not pretty hard for them, but it's kind of like, it kind of sucks. So I don't know, going forward, it's going to be interesting to see how good they are. But again, overall so far, the season's, season's been decent. They're, they're 500, so it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Definitely think that's a good uh, place to be. Uh, you know, because of how much turnover there's been with this Marley's team and also just how many young players are on this team, I would imagine that uh, up and down start is uh, kind of par for the course. And uh, yeah, I would imagine that's definitely one of the takeaways uh, for this season. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to, uh, trying to ask you, Nick, is... Of of this start, to what's what's the overall takeaway from it besides how uh, up and down it's been, and really who's been the player that's caught your eye through all this? My overall takeaway would probably be that Nick Robertson needs to stop taking penalties. <laughs> um, <laughs> last two games he's taken 
um, two in each game. I don't know if I think it's just because his inexperience at that level. He's a young kid. The motions are going to get to him at some points. So last game, I think he got a roughing. I don't know if it was players who went to the box, but they he went off on two penalties, and then tonight he did the same thing. But my overall takeaway is that I think they, again, it's a new team. They just need to get their maybe experience going and just learn how to play as a team. One of the key things I think after this road trip that they need to look at is their power play because last night, no, after last game, they were four for 21. They didn't score a power play goal in this game, so it's not the best. And obviously, they didn't have time to practice. Like, there was no, like, they had a game every other day, and any day that they didn't have a game, they had the day off because of the amount of days they were playing. So when they get back to Coca-Cola Coliseum and the Ford Performance Center, I I guess special, I think special teams would be the key thing that they need to work on. It's a quick follow-up to that. Uh, what have you noticed from that power play, just in terms of formation and execution that's uh, been lacking? One of the key, like one of the key things for me that I've noticed, I'm I've focused a lot on watching Nick Robertson on those power plays because he's he has a great shot and I just want to see what he can do because he's one of the best least prospects. Uh, but in terms of all that, it seems like they're trying to use him in the same role as Austin Matthews is on that left side. Like he'll receive a pass, walk in, and try and wire it past the goaltender. It hasn't really worked a lot in Robertson's favor. I don't know if it's just because they... I don't, I don't know if it's maybe to say that the Heat's power play or penalty kill, sorry, was really good because that's what it seemed like in this series. It just seemed like every time Nick Robertson got the puck, he'd pass it away or he'd walk in. He wouldn't really have that much time to shoot it. He'd either The goalie would make the save and because they'd see it clearly or just go off a defender's leg. So, I mean, power play, other than him, Joey Anderson's been great. Tyler Gaudette has been I think that he has the most points so far. I think he has nine points in eight games. So, I mean, just just trying to get Nick Robertson reps on the power play and just trying to get him going because he does not – he's not been great so far. I think he um, – he has seven points in eight games. But, again, I don't know. It just seems like he's not working on the power play yet. Definitely something to keep an eye on uh, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, we know that we know what Nick Cap- Robertson is capable of uh, when his shot is uh, when it, when his confidence is up. His, he has a booming shot that uh, goalies have a hard time stopping, and there's a reason why he scored f- over 50 goals with the Peterborough Pete's uh, a season ago. So mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll he'll get things going uh, offensively once he gets more comfortable with with more reps in. But uh, yeah, I agree. It's uh, definitely been. Uh, Somewhat concerning, although I'm not too concerned yet with the yeah. stru- struggles. Um, while we're on the uh, topic, of course, I mean, I'll ask right now. Like, as of right now, do you think Nick Robertson still looks or already is NHL ready? Um, or do you think he still needs time to adjust to the AHL game? Or how's he adjusting? I think his best place to be right now is in the AHL. Like, there, there are a few players who deserve a chance on the Leafs. Joey Anderson, 
Tyler Gaudet, Adam Brooks, they're they're all like good candidates. And I think with Nick Robertson, we as Leaf fans should probably be patient on him because he's playing against men right now. And to me, it looks like he's not having the best time. Like just just with this type of um, players he's playing against, like they're a lot bigger, and it looks like he's. I wouldn't say struggling, but it's it's been a lot harder for him. Like the the OHL is being that has a lot of young players, and they're not. I'd say not as heavy as the AHL and NHL would be. So at this point, like I don't know. I really don't know, but I think for his development and that in that terms and in that sake, I just think he'd be better to stay in the AHL for now. And I don't know. I don't even know if the OHL is going to start back up. I know I saw a thing yesterday or the day before about him saying like, we want to have a season. So until that happens, or unless he starts lighting the league up, I really think he should stay in the AHL. It's actually a good thing that the OHL season hasn't started yet because in under normal circumstances, uh, Nick Robertson would still be playing with the Peterborough Peets and, while dominating that league uh, is certainly going to help boost his confidence, I don't know how much help it would be in the long run. So I think uh, at the end of the day, as much as it's uh, frustrating to see him not uh, translate uh, a success from the OHL to the AHL just yet, and even to the NHL to some extent, it's definitely going to be good in the long run because he's going to get that experience right away. And something that uh, probably won't happen again for a very long time. Yeah, 100%. Like this is the chance for him to really work to really work with the Maple Leafs organization instead of having to go to the Peterborough Peets and not have anyone from that organization there to kind of help him and kind of lead him in the direction that he needs to be. So I think being with the Marlies a lot of the time they're focusing on development as well. So I I really think Again, for the sake of his development, I really think it's good for him to be in the AHL rather than be up with the Leafs, maybe sitting and watching games and not getting into every single game or even like playing on the third line. He's not going to get the same minutes as he would in the AHL where I don't know how many minutes he's getting, but it's probably around like maybe 18 or 19 minutes a game. And I think that's going to work a lot better for him in the long run than coming up to the Leafs playing on a third or fourth line and just getting maybe eight or nine minutes a night. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Um, yeah, because, I mean, let's face it, like all of last season, of course, people were saying, you know, th- th- from the eye test, it, it looked like, and obviously from the numbers that he was putting up in juniors, it looked like he was ready to make that jump to the NHL. But, yeah, I agree. Um, his his time right now should be spent in the AHL. I think it's the best uh, bet for him. Uh, while we're on the topic of, you know, the uh you know the top prospects that the the Leafs have you know to watch out for um I want to talk about Timothy Lilligren um as you said he had a very strong start to the season so far playing um alongside Callie Rosen uh I want to know what have you seen from him this season and do you think he's an NHL ready defenseman in your eyes um he's been he's been really good I like when I say really good um when I when I first started watching them, like really watching them, I thought Rasmus Sandin was 
probably like the best defensive prospect the Leafs have. And then when he got injured, it started kind of showing a light more on Timothy Lilligren and what he's worked on and what he's done in the off season. And he's been, he's been really strong on both ends. I remember last season when he played some NHL games, struggled I w- maybe in the defensive zone. And I, I do remember he gave away the puck a bunch. I don't know if that had to do with maybe just the fact that he's in one of his first NHL games and he was maybe nervous. I think that probably had to do with it. But overall, so far, he's been really strong on both even strength and power play. He's been probably their best defenseman. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's good. Do you think he's NHL ready? Would you say? I know that obviously the big problem is the Leafs have a big, uh, you know, kind of logjam um, in terms of NHL defensemen right now. So there's really no mm-hmm. place for him yeah. currently. Um, but would you say his caliber is NHL ready right now? Yeah, I, I'd say, I'd say that it'd be better for him to be in the NHL, even if it, like even if it was on a team where the Leafs were not good or they were maybe sitting in comfortably at, um, I don't know, like third or fourth in the Canadian division and they needed defensemen. He, I, I think he'd be great. I don't, I think it would give, he'd need time to kind of learn how to play in the NHL and that sort of thing. But I, I think he'd, even on the third pairing, I think he'd be fine right now. It might take him a little bit to get like set in and, that sort of thing but i think he'd be ready for the nhl at this point mm-hmm. he's in that tough spot right now like uh, you see it a lot a lot of the time uh and unfortunately a lot of a lot of players do um you know look for other opportunities when that happens but um he's a, he's a he's an nhl ready defenseman um just not enough room for him and, and yeah it's like like you said it would be better if he could get that experience in the nhl and it's kind of tough to see him you know just play year after year in the ahl when you know he's kind of ready to make that jump so it's it's a, it's a tough spot to kind of place him in and even like i said about nick robertson like him getting a lot of reps playing on the top defensive pairing is is much better than him playing on the third pairing in the nhl like mm-hmm. it's it'll it'll be a lot better in the long run because he's touted to be a really good defenseman and if he gets the minutes that he needs in the AHL and plays a consistent first or second pairing game. Then when he comes to the NHL, I think, I really think if it was best for them to like him and Sandine, it'd probably be next season for them to step into an NHL role together. But overall, it's, it's really good for him to, I think, have those minutes in the AHL and just get used to it. And even though, it's the AHL and it's a totally different game. I, I think that he's shown that he's ready. He showed what he did in the off season and what he did to get better. And it's working. And I think again, yeah, he, he's ready for an NHL spot whenever that is. Mm-hmm. I hope he gets an NHL chance, uh, hopefully this season, but uh, the reality of the situation is, and you've been kind of alluding to it, is that the Leafs are completely loaded on defense, uh, more so than they've ever been in a long time. It's kind of, I think it's kind of to say that Zach Bogosian, TJ Brody, and Miko Lennon are are blocking a path to the NHL, and 
while all three have had varying levels of success, probably Vagosian and Brody to more extent, uh, it's just going to be a tough go for Lilligren. I guess maybe what I'm trying to get at here is would Lilligren have more of a shot of making the NHL this year if he's packaged in a trade? And do you think, and I'm not uh, trying to suggest that the Leafs would want to try and uh, show, showcase a prospect and then immediately trade him, especially one that was a recent first-round pick, do you, th- do you get some sense that that might be what's happening? Or do you think the Leafs are just trying to develop him and get him in as soon as possible? First of all, I just want to say that you left one defenseman out who's in front of <laughs> Lee Green and Sandine. I know. I know. So, um, but I, I, I don't think uh, it would be wise for them to trade either one of those two guys. Um, like they have Morgan Riley. I don't know if they signed Morgan Riley or not. They have TJ Brody. So if they don't sign Riley, which I'm really hoping they do, like they should, like it's he's been on the team the longest. But if they don't sign Morgan Riley, you'd think Rasmus Sandin would move up, and then Justin Hole should be. You'd think he might still be there unless they keep Dermot and they let Seattle take him. Um, but again, with with those two, they. I, I think it would be so bad to trade them. I think they're lucky enough to have two guys like that. And I don't know who you'd want in return for those players. Maybe like it's been spoken about that the least want a top kind of guy. And I don't know. I really don't. I, th- I really think at this moment that with them too, again, we're lucky to have them. And if they were to trade one of them, I think it'd be a it'd be a big blow to their defense prospect pool. Who else do they have? They have Kivy Holme, they have Mac Hollowell. Okay, they're they're pretty good, but they're no Rasmus Sandin or Timothy Lilligren. I think it would again be a big blow to their prospect pool because they are essentially two and three or one and three, if you want to say that Robertson is higher th- or Sandin's higher than Robertson, but. I don't know. I, I, I don't like even thinking about that because it would suck. Again, though, I have no idea what they want to do. If they want to get a top six forward, they might think about putting one of those two guys in. I probably would say Lilligren. To me, I don't think it's a good idea at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I would definitely hate to see him go because there, he had all this potential. And I remember back when uh, the draft was, like at least in the months prior to the draft, there was talks about Lilligren potentially being a top five or maybe even the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. And he fell down hard because of uh, contracting Mono. And that pretty much sidetracked his entire draft year. So to see him finally find success and then to just give him away would definitely suck. I, I know I wasn't too pleased with myself asking that question, but it's something to think about because <laughs> at the end of the day, the Leafs, are at the, the Leafs right now are not really thinking about prospect development. Uh, yes, they want to see their prospects succeed, but I'm sure Kyle Dubas' focus is more so on making the Leafs a Stanley Cup contender. And that's probably oh. one of the things that they mm-hmm. might have to think about. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. If if it makes their team better to trade Lilligren for somebody else, sure, try and do it. But at the same time, like I think about next year, and I think Zach Bogosian's not going to be there. I don't think, unless he plays really good and gets himself another contract. Martin Marinson might not be there. So there's another guy 
Um, no, but <laughs> there, there, like, there's Bogosian. You're gonna lose. You might. There's a big chance that you're gonna lose one of Hull or Dermot. Um, then that puts you at one, two, three defensemen. You have Muzzin signed, Riley still. You have Justin Hull. Oh, four and Brody. So I, I really don't know. Like they're gonna lose few defensemen this offseason and if you trade Lilligren you're gonna have you're gonna be missing one of those guys who could probably be a key player in one to two years and again if they if it makes them better and wins them the Stanley Cup this year by all means because we need that but at the same time I know this is such a bad thing to think down the road but I, I don't know I, I I just don't I don't like it it scares me but if, if it if it helps them, then by all means. Kyle Dubas knows what he's doing. He has a, a lot of years doing that job. And he's a lot of people around him who know what they're doing. So I trust him. If he makes that trade, he makes that trade. If he doesn't, then I respect it. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. And that's kind of the effects of the an accelerated rebuild, right, that we saw kind of happen to Toronto. Usually you see, uh, you know, a rebuilding team, you know, have a slower gradual um, rise in the standings and in that time they can develop those high uh, highly drafted prospects and then work the and they get their shots in the in the lineup early but obviously Toronto because they shot up so high uh, so fast um, in, in a matter of a couple of years um, you know from getting Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and those, and, and, and those players um, they just started kind of getting NHL ready looking right away for NHL ready defensemen and obviously that took up those spots and like like you said like yeah Timothy Lilligren could be useful next season but then again we don't know if Kyle Dubas will once again you know look for still other NHL ready defensemen to put in you know to replace those players that might leave rather than giving Timothy Lilligren a shot so we really don't know, but yeah, I know we hate to think about it, but it very much is a possibility when uh, when it comes to these situations like this with players who are on the cusp of making the NHL but not really getting that shot. Yeah, um, I think that again, if they if they have to do it, by all means, get that Stanley Cup because we haven't seen it and my lifetime times two or three. So yeah, just if, if, if it helps them, then then do it. It's, it's a big thing. And also you got to look at if they get to the trade deadline, you have to look at how Timothy Ligren's playing and you have to think, okay, he's taken a step. Do we want to maybe, I, I don't want to say like he's taken a step in. Yes. It's his value so high right now that you trade him, but you have to seriously look at it. he takes if he takes that next step and he's that much better of a defender and i doubt when do you guys know when the trade deadline is again for the nhl i don't remember the exact date but i know it's it's in early to mid april so asmus sandin should be back for a month so that would mean that I, by april you'd see if Lilligren's ready and if he's ready, then Kyle Dubas has the chance to say, you know what? He's hit his high value. Let's just trade him now and sell high. Or he might think, okay, he's ready for an NHL spot. We're not going to trade for somebody. We're going to try and 
if we don't win this season, then we'll try him in the top six next season. But I, I don't know if again, they got to do it if it if it helps them now. So if he's good, do it. But it it just scares me. It 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 does. For sure. Oh, I'd be scared too. Yeah. Just to quickly uh, correct myself, the exact day of the trade deadline is April 12th of this year at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard were, Time, of course. You're right. Kind of. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, back on the Marlies, I guess we'll wrap up the defenseman talk with uh, obviously Rasmus Sanding. Um, he was off to a good start before uh, his foot injury. Um, how much will his absence affect the Marlies, or how much have you seen it affecting Marley so far? I'd say it hasn't really affected them. Again, with the way Lilligren's been playing, he's kind of came into that role being their top defender and playing great. Obviously, he was already on that top pairing with Sandine. Rosen's come up. They've been playing good. As a defense core, like, they've all been good players. There's Christian Rubens. There's Matt Caldwell, Kivihame, and I think Joseph Duzak as well. They're all they're all good. And once Sandine comes back, I'm pretty sure Duzak will move back to forward because that's where he was playing. Um, but again, it hasn't. I wouldn't say it's affected them that much because of the fact that Lilligren's there. But I mean, once he comes back, I'll I'll see how much it really has affected them and how they play. But in overall, right now, it, it doesn't even look like he's missing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's good on that part. That's good. That's good. Uh, obviously, let's hope that he returns soon. Um, but yeah, Marlies are holding it down. Yeah, it's been great to see him have success uh, with the Marlies. Obviously, mm-hmm. I know he. There's some sense of frustration on his part to get into some games. I know uh, yeah. just bef- just bef- in his after his one and only game so far this season, he kind of was hinting at frustration, and then he finally gets to play with the Marlies and has success, as you've alluded to. But now he's out for a little while. Huh? I-, I have to say, it's it's definitely got to be frustrating for Rasmus uh, the seasons he's had so far. Yeah, and I I remember like getting the first time to interview him, and somebody asked like how. How how was it to play like one game in the NHL and now to come back AHL and he was like it, it wasn't really a game it was like five minutes of ice time and he said that I was like whoa he, he's he's frustrated he wants to be in the NHL and I don't blame him I think I think he's ready and I just I understand why why Kyle Dubas went down the road of getting Bogosian to help because he's he won the Stanley Cup and he's just a bigger body and he's he's a lot meaner. And even some of the other guys, like I totally get where Kyle Dubas was going in that sense, but I can also understand why Rasmus Sandin's so frustrated. I th- he thinks he's ready. A lot of Leaf fans think he's ready, and he wants that chance, and he really hasn't had that chance yet. Do you mm-hmm. think that Rasmus Sandin is going to get another opportunity with the Leafs at some point this season? Or do you suspect that he's going to be spending the rest of the season with the Marlies? I don't know. I it depends on like how he comes back from his injury, and how the Leafs play. Like if they're they're playing great, and they go in and they're like they've took off in the Canadian division, they're way past maybe say Edmonton, 
and all those teams, and they have a lot of points up on them, they might say like, okay, we're going to bring in Sandin and Lilligren, see how they play in the NHL. I think that could be a possibility as well. But right now, unless there's injuries, I don't really see Dubis or Sheldon Keith changing from what they're already doing right now and summing Bogosian or Dermot out for Lettinen because it's working and they're good with it. And unless something bad happens, I don't I don't think they're going to go off that path. It's definitely something to think about uh, as the season goes along. Uh, now, one of the, some of the, some of the players that have contributed to the success uh, with the Leafs this season were former uh, players on the Marlies that had AHL contracts and work their way up to get an NHL contract and then make it to the show. I know Trevor Moore, I believe, was one of them. Uh, the big one was Justin Hall, and now he's become arguably the least best defenseman this season. So whenever the Leafs sign someone to an AHL contract, or at least the Marlies sign someone to an AHL contract, there's always it's always some level of intrigue because it's potential for them to be the next hidden gem. Has there been any hidden gems that follow this description? on the Marley so far that's caught your eye and who are, who is it, who are those kind of players that Leaf fans should be keeping a close eye on? Um, I'd say, I don't, I don't, I don't think Tyler Gaudet is, I think he's on an AHL contract. I'm not 100% sure. I'm trying to look through cap friendly, but I can't, I don't know how to tell, but if he's not signed to an NHL contract, you got to get him. Um, there were there's a few other players who have come in on ATOs, and they've been pretty good. There is one guy named Jeremy McKenna. He played in he played with Wichita in the ECHL. And he came here. He's he's been pretty good so far. He's on the fourth line with Rich Clune, and it was Colt Conrad before Adam Brooks was out, and. In four games, he's two points. He had points in both games. I don't. He's he's on the younger side, so I don't see him getting a chance. Scott Pooley is another guy who wasn't in the lineup tonight for their game against Stockton, but he's he's been pretty good too as well. Rob Chartier. He's been another guy with an interesting story. Who's four points in eight games. He's been pretty good too. There's a lot of guys who really deserve to be up with the Leafs and with them being too crowded, it can't happen. But if there, if like, if there was one person to be called up at this exact moment, I really think it would be Joey Anderson. He's been, he's been good. Even in the NHL games he's played, I think it was one or two. He's been, he was really good. I thought he should have stayed, but he didn't. There was other players who were pretty good and they got the chance. And Anderson's been playing great in the AHL, and I think he'd be, if there was anyone the Leafs would call up next, it would be him, I really think. I see. And I, know, I was going to say, I know I know Michael is a big fan of Joey Anderson, so that's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> if people don't understand why that is, uh, there's a tweet from Rachel Dory, and uh, if anyone knows me well enough, you probably know where I'm alluding to. Or what I'm alluding to. Nick Nick with Martin Marinson is like Michael with... Uh, actually, Michael with Blake Coleman is Blake like Coleman. Nick with Martin Marinson. And I need I need a player like that that I can meme with. <laughs> who, who, if, if there was any player, who would it be? I don't know. Because it has to come naturally, you know? That 
you know that that kind of inside joke that love for a player it has to come naturally you know yeah if only i had a better player than martin marinson <laughs> matt this is oh, why you gotta crazy. yeah you gotta ha- you gotta start uh adding some players in fantasy that's how it started for me with uh blake coleman just pat him on one fan on my fantasy Dude, team and he was it pretty was, good it was secured when michael and i went to the the devil's leafs game and who scored a hat trick that night other than austin no. it was just confirmed <laughs> it was like michael and, and blake coleman are like you know it's like it was it, like that 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 connection is just meant to be did you give him a hat michael uh, unfortunately <laughs> no i also like my hat what do you think would happen if you're the only person in the arena to throw a hat on the ice for his hat trick I would probably get booed at, and they said, "Who the hell is this Devils fan uh, in, in the stands?" Were you wearing a Leafs jersey? I was not wearing a jersey. No, oh, I should have. That would have been funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next question, though. What are your thoughts on the Marlies goalie situation? Oh, that's an interesting one. <laughs> that's that's really interesting. I really don't know what to think about it. I mean, um, once. Anderson and Campbell return. Michael Hutchinson's going to go back to the stay ready squad. And then Joseph Wool will come back down. And you'd expect that he would take over as the starter for the sake of his development. Again, the way that Andrew D'Agostini has been playing, if you don't know who he is, there's a story on The Athletic. I think Joshua Cloak wrote it. You should really read it and about his journey through just through hockey in general in his life and how he really didn't get a chance to play in the AHL and this is his first time. He's been through the ECHL. I think there's another league called the SPHL that he's played in. But this is his first kind of big moment and he kind of took it he took it really well in the first few games and even up to today, he was really good, really strong. And then I don't, I don't know what happened. Greg Moore sort of left him in this game for eight goals, and his, I think his save percentage before this game. Let me check. I'm pretty sure it was a 9.22, and after this game tonight, it's popped down to an 8.95. So, I mean, the story is great, and if he plays good, this might have just been a game that's a bump in the road and they played, he's played every, almost every single moment until Kai Edmonds came in for the third period. He's played 453 minutes of ice time in eight games. Wow. So, and he's, he's had 219 shots against and he's only had 23 goals against. So, I mean, it's going to be tough as a goaltender to come in and, play in the AHL all of a sudden and just out of nowhere because he he didn't I think he knew the day of or the day before that he was going to play his first AHL game I remember him saying that like he he kind of knew coming into the training camp I don't know how much of a training camp there was with the Marlies but he kind of knew that he might get into a few games but he didn't know he was going to get into every single game so I think it's it's going to be interesting to see whether or not they stick with D'Agostini or they try Joseph Wool once he comes down or try I Edmonds who's never played in an AHL game before. 
Um, I remember somebody asked Greg Moore about Andrew D'Agostini not playing in the back-to-back, like the second half of it, and getting Edmonds to start. And he said D'Agostini's been like playing really well and it's made it tough on him to take him out of the net. So I don't know whether or not they look back on this game and think, okay, we kind of need to make a decision or whether they stick with D'Agostini. Or I, I I don't know how long it's going to take for Frederick Anderson's return. So it'll it'll all depend on that. Like if D'Agostini gets into another game and plays well, I think they'll ride with him until something happens. If there's anything drastic or he has a tough game, and then Wool comes in, maybe plays better or worse. If Wool was to come into a game and play worse, it'd be a lot more interesting. But right now, I think they might try and ride out with Andrew D'Agostini until there's something bad that happens. But I'm, I'm not sure. I'm really not. Since we're talking about the Leafs, the Marley's goalie situation, uh, Joseph Wool is somebody who I believe is capable of being the Leafs backup goalie as early as next season. And I'd imagine that Kyle Dubson company might be thinking the same thing if, of course, Frederick Anderson uh, departs in the offseason. Now, as in, in terms of this season, I think it's going to be best for his development to spend the entire year with the Marlies. That's definitely affected that. Yeah. And D'Agostini's strong play so far has also played a factor. When Joseph Wall returns to the Marlies, do you envision a scenario where they go a 1A, 1B? Or will Wall get the majority of the starts and D'Agostini will probably be getting occasional starts as the backup? I think the second option, again, like it depends on depends on how D'Agostini plays because goalies are voodoo. You both know that they can just come into a season and play like they're, I don't know, Patrick Waugh. Not not as good as Patrick Waugh, but like just just so good. Like it just comes randomly. And I think that kind of came with D'Agostini. Like he's just loving his time in the AHL. He's, he's playing great with it. So again... For the sake of Wolves' development, it's it should be good for him to come to the AHL and play games. But again, last season, I'm looking at it now, he played 32 games, had an 880 save percentage. Don't know if... I, I just don't know if they're willing to ride him out as the starter. I do. I probably would say, again, though they'll probably go with 1A1B. Give them both a majority of the starts, and if D'Agostini shows that he's not really set out to be an AHL starter, one who plays in um, consecutive games, and they make that decision as it happens. But again, I think this wall comes down, it'll probably be 1A, 1B. That would probably have to be the best thing right now. I think it'd be a great thing for sure, because if there's one thing that the Leafs have been known for since the turn of the millennium is their lack of success in terms of developing goalies. Uh, yeah. I, I think the last time a, the Leafs have developed a goalie properly and he's found success in the NHL was James Reimer. Mm-hmm. And that should tell you something of just how coarse that's been. So if I'm, I'm rooting, I'm one thing I'm rooting for Joseph Wall to have success this season, but I'm also rooting for Andrew D'Agostini to have success as well, because even as an undrafted player, that's still having a player developed within your system. And that goes a long way. You are you are missing one goaltender. Of course I am. I always miss somebody. Do you know who it is? Ben Scrivens? I don't know. No, Ian Scott. 
Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Um, I, you know, to me, I want to say that Ian Scott should be on the same level as Joseph Wall, although like he's been injured, and a lot of people might think, okay, his maybe time to try and get into the NHL is over, but. Greg Moore has said like he's Ian Scott's a guy who's he works hard all the time and he's somebody who wants that I think just to be in the NHL and same with Joseph Wool. I I do think that Ian Scott should still get a chance to show what type of player he is because that wouldn't be fair on him so even when he returns I don't know how long he's going to take to get back because he's week to week still with I don't I think it's a groin injury I'm pretty sure that's what Greg Moore said I don't remember fully but I I really think with him as well he needs to get a chance I don't know maybe it'll be with Newfoundland maybe he'll go down but they're not even playing this season so I think he should get into games too uh now Ian Scott is definitely an interesting one because I think uh, at some point like there's a time where last a couple years ago where I figured that Joseph Wall and Ian Scott could potentially be a 1A, 1B option for the Leafs down the road. And Ian Scott has not reached that level on account for all the injuries. And that's been frustrating to see, because I, I know he's had a lot of success in the uh, OHL, and he's had some success in the AHL. Um, I'm not sure how much of the footage you, you can recall off the top of your head from when he has played with the Marlies, but when he does get back on the ice... What do you suspect his season is going to be like? Or do you even think he's going to even play this year? I, I, I don't know. I don't know the extent of his injury. So we really can't say at that point. Like He might need a lot of time to work with goalie coach and all that stuff. But again, it just depends on where he's at as a player and all that. Like He, he can't go back the WHL he can't play in the ECHL because there's really no team and you could say he could go on loan but at the same time I don't think he'd want that I think he'd want a chance to play in the AHL so I think just depending on where he's at and where the team is at in terms of goaltending that'll be the decision on how it goes down the road but I really just for just for his sake I really think even with Greg Moore saying, he said, like, for his mentality and his sake, like, he needs to be back in playing. And I think they, by saying that he needs to be, like, with his mental health, that he needs to be back playing, I think he might have been alluding to the fact that they might try and get him in an AHL game or two once his injury is healed. But again, we don't know the extent of it. So, I can't really put a timeline on it, but I do think he will get into at least a few games. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I hope, I hope Ian Scott makes it to the AHL this season. It definitely would be a good thing in the long run, but also just like I was, like I was alluding to before the, Le- the Leafs lack of success with goalie development is going to hurt their ability to contend at least, yeah. uh, even the goaltending position. So we always, we want to see some success stories. And uh, I'm, I, we're, I, I definitely, I'm sure you feel the same way. But we're all rooting for uh, Ian Scott to come back and uh, find success. One hundred percent. 
Um, so going forward, I guess we'll start wrapping things up. What can we expect from this team in terms of uh, their play style? Um, I think just being a team that's going to be tough to play against because they've got guys like Rich Kloon who've been in the league for so long, and he's a guy that I've asked a few players about, and he's been like one of the biggest impacts of players on the team. So I think they're just going to be one of those teams that they want to be tough to just overall play against again. Like if Nick Robertson comes and starts scoring and scoring and scoring, it's going to be tough. Once Sandine returns, they'll have that top pairing of Lilligren and Sandine. It's going to be really tough, I think, for teams to break through. And again, that's going to depend on their goaltending too. But uh, I think they're also, in terms of this season, I think a lot of what they're focused on is maybe development rather than trying to win a season that the AHL doesn't even know if they're going to have a playoffs yet. Obviously, you'd think should because overall, like COVID's getting a little bit better, but it's not getting 100% better. But again, development, I think, is what they're looking at in terms of this season. And if they make a playoffs and they make the playoffs, it'll be good for them. But overall, it's they're going to be a team that's they have top end prospects and they're going to be tough to play against. They've got guys who can buy for an NHL spot at this point too, and that's going to be tough for other teams to handle. So I think in the long run, just going to be a team that's going to give everyone grief. For sure, certainly going to be exciting to watch from a fan's perspective, but also from a media perspective because you're always it's going to be treating to watch from above. Uh, you mentioned playoffs a bunch of time there, and I can't think of a better way to transition into uh, the last question, and that's just looking ahead to like to the end of the season. Do you suspect that this Marley's team? Do you, actually let me reword it. Do you think this Marley's team is capable of reaching the playoffs? Why or why not? It's early in the season. Let's see what you have to say. I think yeah. I mean. Uh, depending on how their goaltending turns out, that's like, that's probably the biggest thing. Even in like the media Zoom calls, the biggest story has been Andrew D'Agostini. And Greg Moore has said it, it's, he's come up in almost every media Zoom call. So it's really going to depend on their goaltending. I think they can do it. It's the Canadian division, two teams that aren't the best. So, the Marlies have a chance. They just need to kind of find their groove. If Nick Robertson, again, is playing really well and he plays really dangerous, then they have a chance to do um, a lot of good things. But, again, only time is going to tell, really. Yeah, we're all hoping for the Marlies to make the, the playoffs this season. I know Kyle Dubas has mentioned in the past that there's nothing better for a player's development in their system than to consistently have a contending team for the mm -hmm. Marlies. Uh, and even though Kyle Davis isn't exactly running the Marlies at this time, his focus is primarily on Leafs, I believe that that mentality has been passed down to the guy who's currently in charge, at least the GM, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I know they're all thinking, yeah, let's make sure this Marlies team is always a contender each and every single year. And if it's not, then at least there's growth and development and mm -hmm. progress for all our players. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one of the big things. And I, I I do agree with you that 
it, it'd be really, really good for sake of was I don't know 100% off by hand. Was Lilligren on the team that won the Calder? I believe, was, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, so let me get a fact. So he has, he has that experience, but it would be good for all those players. I know Hudson was on Team USA this year. He would have had some great experience at the World Juniors, but it'd be really good for all the young guys and even the goaltenders too to get playoff experience and know how to maybe win games, know how to kind of grind out games like the Leafs have in the past and just if they play bad, just find a way to win. Mm-hmm. And I think playoffs playoffs would be perfect experience for some of those prospects that are trying to make that next step into the NHL. For sure. And uh, yeah, quick fact check on that. He did win it in uh, 2018 uh, with the Marlies. Yeah. So yeah, a little experience there. Um, so yeah, those are all our questions. But uh, I mean... Is there any other? Are there any other thoughts you have on the Marlies that you wanted to share, or anything coming up? Maybe that anything you want to hint, uh, hint to, or you just want to leave us off on? Um, I did. I say, uh, I like. I want to try and instead of just doing all writing, I want to try and get standalone stories on people. So mm-hmm. that's gonna be a thing in the future that. I might try and get video form of. I don't know who who I'll do. I've already I already have one player in mind. Kind of alluded in it through this podcast so far. So if people really want to know who it is, they can kind of go back and listen and try and find that player. I'm not going to give it away because I don't. <laughs> I want it to be a surprise and I want it to be something special because it it essentially be my first time interviewing a player. And this player is really special and special to the Marlies, special to the least organization. So there's another hint. So, I mean, if I get to interview them, you'll see a video in the future and an article. I, I really hope that they let me do it because you think they would. But in terms of anything else, I mean, Twitter, I'll just be tweeting about the Marlies. Um, I'll be writing a weekly thing, Marlies and me, with Marsha and videos and standalone articles so that's really it there's nothing nothing really else else i don't think unless i think of something down the road i think i think they would um i think obviously the obstacle is just you know with the pandemic and and, you know doing in-person interviews maybe you know a zoom interview of course right yeah Mm -hmm. um but yeah uh i'm looking forward to that that's gonna be really exciting and uh all the listeners out there definitely stay tuned for that uh do you just want to plug your uh socials one last time I mean, you've been on this podcast so i'm sure people know of you but one more time uh yeah twitter instagram youtube uh at nick barden i think that's really it i don't know if there's anything else i don't think so TikTok. i think don't forget one TikTok. Thing, oh tiktok nick bardown <laughs> but I, I don't post on that anymore you should get back that's on where that. i spend uh, i don't know I, it's, I want to, but it's so much different than it was in March. Mm-hmm. So, hey, if you get back, that, if you get led into the into the uh, arena, maybe do some TikToks. 
No, yeah, I think <laughs> that's actually a good idea. Another idea that I'm taking from this podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> we expect royalties after <laughs> some credit at the end of the end of the piece. <laughs> but yeah, other than other than those three things, I'm trying to think, I don't think there's anywhere else. Leafs Nation. That's really it, though. Yep. Um, so everyone check them out on the Lease Nation, of course, uh, one of our really, really good friends. Uh, yep. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Nick. No worries. Thanks for having me. It was fun talking about Marley's for like the first time on like a podcast. So it was, it was cool. Awesome. I don't know what it is, but whenever we have Nick on the show, it always just results in an awesome discussion. And uh, to be honest with you guys, we had a longer discussion afterwards. But uh, Matthew, what can I say? Nick's Nick's awesome. Nick is our guy. Honestly, he's such a he's he's a beauty. Like honestly, he's the definition of a beauty. And uh, yeah, like he's doing such amazing work right now uh, covering the Toronto Marlies. And I, again, I highly encourage all the all the listeners to get up to date on the Marlies and, and read his articles and, and check out his work. Like he said, he's going to put out, he's, he's, he's going to put out some good work and he's, he's got some ideas going there. So make sure you check it out. But uh, yeah, Nick's just, Nick's just an awesome guy. Absolutely. He's uh, definitely one, one person you'd want to have in your corner mm-hmm, for sure. So as I said, this uh, episode really is uh, a Toronto Marlies focused episode. I know, uh, I don't know. We probably, we're probably at like over an hour right now, but uh that doesn't mean we won't talk a little bit about the uh you know the current uh teams the Leafs and the Raptors mainly and uh not much but I, I just wanted to ask you two questions of one for each of the two teams well we're on the topic of hockey we've talked a whole lot about the Leafs already with Nick but you know who's been playing great Austin Matthews and I think the whole league has has seen that I think the you know every all hockey fans have seen this season really just how capable Austin Matthews is Michael, I want to know. There's been chatter about um, the Hart Trophy race. Who's going to win MVP? Where do you see Matthews right now in the MVP race? And do you think he can actually win the Hart Trophy? I definitely think he's got a legitimate chance to win the Hart Trophy. It just really comes down to how important, uh, how how much the view, voters view his season to Connor McDavid's season. Because I really do think it's going to come down between uh, him and McDavid at the end of the day. Because both have been incredibly. Uh, have had incredibly strong seasons they're incredibly poor to the respective teens but i my guess is that it's probably going to lean towards mcdavid only because the oilers would would be absolutely uh nowhere if they didn't have con mcdavid and leon dreisaitl on their team just look at the rosters uh outside of mcdavid and dreisaitl compared to the leafs outside of uh, austin matthews you know i completely agree i got matthews at you know second right behind mcdavid right now and I think it's just amazing that the Maple Leafs have an MVP caliber player like that on their roster right now. Um, that in itself is amazing. But yeah, um, you know, I think the MVP race is pretty tight. Um, but I think it is McDavid first and then Matthews and then maybe a bit of a gap. But, um, you know, there's there's other players in there like Patrick Kane um, as well as making a, a, a statement. And obviously Leon Dreisaitl. But I do think it's McDavid's really to win. Um, like you said, uh, Matthews has been playing great alongside Mitch Marner, who's also arguably been putting up like, you know, MVP numbers as well. Um, maybe a little lower on that ladder, but 
that's like a dynamic duo. And obviously, you know, you could say Connor McDavid and Leandres Eilat are a duo, but Connor McDavid is playing, you know, out out of this world with a with a very different team. Um, and you know, it's McDavid. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets it. I really think it is his. Uh, he's number one right now. But yeah, like I said, it's just crazy that Matthews is considered there. It absolutely is insane. I don't remember the last time the Leafs had a legitimate MVP caliber player on their team. It's uh, certainly been a long time. Oh yeah, and even like even Matt Sundin, but even he wasn't always in the conversation of. I mean, the MVP is the league's best player, and that's that's just insane uh, at any given moment. Um, but now that's the only question for the Leafs I had. We obviously talked a whole lot about the Leafs so with Nick, but uh, for basketball. There's been some rumors uh, surrounding the Raptors uh, about Kyle Lowry. There were some rumors about the fact that uh, if he did get traded, um, he would you know, prefer a trade to Philadelphia. His agent later came out and said that, um, that those rumors were uh, not true and uh, that I guess you know there's no word about that anyways. But, I mean, still, we've been kind of talking about the, the potential of, of our Lowry trade all season and things like that. Michael, do you think it is a possibility? Of course, the Raptors are a playoff team now. We all know that. But do you think that's still a possibility? It most certainly is a possibility. And I think it's something that Leaf fans have to accept uh, at this point. Uh, no, Raptors fans, Raptors sorry. Raptors fans. <laughs> is that? Yeah, sorry. I just, my mind's all over the place right now. Uh, no, the reality is, is that Kyle Lowry's time is uh, not going to be forever. As much as people will love to think it would uh Kyle Lowry's eventually going to retire or eventually going to find somewhere else to play now granted the Raptors are in a playoff spot right now and they could finish as high as the fourth seed I think is most definitely a possibility but uh if Kyle Lowry wants to go back home to Philly I don't think it's something that the Raptors would would want to uh go against as much as they view Kyle Lowry as an important part of the team because at the end of the day Kyle Lowry is from Philly, and I imagine that it would be a nice fitting end to his career as much as it would hurt the Raptors and the fan base. It would be good for Kyle to finish his career in uh, Philly if that's to be the case. Now, obviously, we don't know for sure if these trade rumors are for sure true, and they could just be uh, chatter. But, uh, you know, this conversation has not gone away, and the fact that we're still having this conversation is pretty telling. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I just think it's a little different. I think this rumor, if anything, we know rumors, whether they're true or not tend to be, if, if they're not just straight up true they they tend to, you know, give some sort of telling into the situation. Like, you know, maybe it is his preferred location, maybe not for a trade, but maybe this sparks some, you know, this, this generates discussion about his interest in Philly, maybe as a free agent. And yeah, the reality of it is, is Kyle Lowry is aging, uh, but he's still, even despite his age, he's still, you know, a high caliber elite player. I mean, just look, he's still putting up like triple, he put up a triple double last night. Um, and I, I don't think he'd get traded to be honest, because the Raptors have worked their way up into a playoff contender once again. And I think, you know, why trade away your biggest asset, um, when you're getting ready for a playoff run, right? So I don't think they'll trade him, honestly, but all I'm saying is maybe Philadelphia is looking like a destination when he's a free agent because, again, when he becomes a free agent, although everyone would love to you know, see him re-sign as a Raptor, I don't think the Raptors are ready to 
to hand over, you know, a big contract for him. But I do think, you know, other teams like Philadelphia, a team that is looking to contend and look at Philadelphia, they're first in the East right now. They, they can be a legitimate um, championship contender. Um, they're ready to, you know, to uh, give up the money for those pieces that allow them to get over the, over the hill, you know? So exactly. in, in those terms, I honestly think, you know, Philadelphia could be a destination for him in free agency because they might be ready to give him the money. Um, they, as of right now, clearly they look a lot better in better shape for a, a deep playoff run than the Raptors do right now. And uh, yeah, it just seems intriguing. So all I'm saying is I don't think a trade will happen, but I think this rumor does. Um, I think it has some truth to it. Yes, I totally agree with you. I would rather see Kyle Lowry finish his career in Toronto I think that, that the fact that that's uh, where he's uh, had his the most success and uh, has developed to the play, to the player that he's become today and won a championship, that's where he should finish his career. But the reality of the situation is that the NBA is a player focused league. Then players will move around more often than in other leagues, and it's you just don't see many players finish their career in one spot or at least in uh, one spot they spent the majority of their time in. Uh, seeing guys like Dirk Nowitzki, they're odd, they're abnorm- abnormalities. Even Kobe Bryant, he the fact that he finished his entire career in uh, L.A. is a rarity. So I think what I'm trying to get at here is that Raptors fans have to accept the possibility that Kyle Lowry might not finish his career in Toronto as much as we like it to be that way. And I would love it to be that way, but it's just there's no guarantee that it's going to happen. For sure. I think we'll leave it at that. That was some good uh, discussion there for this episode. A lot of Leaf talk and, hey, some Kyle Lowry talk there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I thought that was a great episode. So uh, you guys could let us know what you thought of the episode. uh, On uh, You could tweet us uh, or message us on our our, our podcast Twitter, at Behind the Net Pod. Or you can tweet me, um, at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. Remember to follow both accounts. Of course, yes. And, And follow me as well if you're interested, at the Leafs IMO. All right. And uh, yeah, that was a great episode. And uh, we'll catch you. We'll catch all you listeners uh, next week. Take care of it, guys.